So did you find yourself out there this morning folding your arms saying, I'm not going to sing today? <laughs> if you did, it's kind of natural. One of the great challenges of our lives is that we are at war. Our desires, our sinful nature is at war with the Spirit of God. So if you struggle to be filled with the Spirit, it is the struggle of our lives. Because day after day after day, inside of us, there is this old residual reality called our sinful nature, our sinful desires that wars against the Spirit of God. So there we fight. Maybe some of you didn't do it outwardly, but inwardly your little heart had its hands folded over itself. I'm not going to sing just because he told me to sing, because we have this rebellious little spirit within us. And so we have this ongoing struggle, this war. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't come easy. The Bible says that. In fact, Galatians 5, I invite you to turn there this morning. It says that your sinful desires are at war with the Spirit. The bottom line is, how do we win that war? Because God intends for us to win that war. I have learned over all of these years that in my own strength, I am unable to defeat even the smallest, tiniest temptation. I lose every time. We are not in our own strength capable of defeating the sin in our lives. Otherwise, Christ came in vain and died in vain and rose in vain. But we as believers who follow the Lord Jesus Christ have been placed in Christ and Christ has been placed in us through the Holy Spirit, enabling us, empowering us to be more than a match for any sin that comes our way. And there are evidences in our lives that reveal to us whether or not we are winning, whether or not the Spirit of God is winning in our lives. We talked about them, some of them last week. We're going to find out today that the filling of the Spirit, which we learned last week, is very, very much connected to the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, two of the, the most difficult areas of our lives are, and maybe underutilized areas of our lives are the power of the Holy Spirit to produce in us a filling and fruit. So we're going to learn that today, the fruit of the Spirit. These evidences, the evidences we learned last week, speaking, singing, giving thanks, submitting to one another, making music in our hearts to the Lord. All of those are evidence that the Spirit of God is winning in our life. And today we're going to look at the more evidence that, that God's Spirit is alive and at work in our life by the attitude of our hearts, the character called the fruit of the Spirit. So let's bow for prayer. Father, we just pray as we open up your word this morning and try and grapple with this vital, vital doctrine and truth, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that is so underutilized in most of us. Oh, Lord, how we desire it. It is the, the burden of our heart because you've placed it as a burden in our heart that we might experience the fullness of the Spirit and that the fruit of the Spirit might pop from our lives, that people might see Jesus being formed in us, that Jesus would be formed in us, and that he would be bursting forth out of our lives in obvious ways. So few of us, Lord, are experiencing that kind of victory that you, that Christ died, that we might experience. So, Father, because it is your will, and because we desire this, I pray, O oh God, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our will, the desires of our heart would be transformed, that we might receive 
all of the Spirit of God that we can have, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. Last week we learned that I can't get more of the Holy Spirit by investing less in God. And he can't get more of me if I invest more and more in myself. He indwells every believer. If you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit of God has moved into your life. That's a, a settled fact. The Holy Spirit can never be taken from you. He will never leave you. That's how the promise of Jesus to never forsake you or leave you is fulfilled. In that, the Holy Spirit comes and abides in your life and will never leave you. The question is not if you have the Holy Spirit as a believer. The question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? How much control of your life does he have? That's the issue. And that's where our responsibility comes. We are expected to cooperate with the filling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, giving over more and more control of our lives. If we're honest with ourselves, we will freely admit there are things, there are areas, there are attitudes, there are behaviors, there are, are practices that we don't want to give over to God. And to the degree that you won't give over anything to God, you can't be filled with the Spirit. You have to give over control to the Lord. And you don't naturally want to do that. So if you're fighting it, welcome to the club. We all fight it. Because we fight for ourselves. We fight for me. So much of the spirit-filled life is sacrificial and about you. But what about me? That's what we, we say so often. What about me? That's the problem with our lives. This week we're going to learn more about how crucial it is to give over control of our lives to God. It's the only way Christ can be formed in us. It's the only way we will become Christ-like. We were saved to sin no more and to reflect the glory of Christ in ever-increasing ways. That's the intention of our salvation. So, how are you doing? Wives, this, this week, fully submissive to your husbands? Yes? Husbands, totally sacrificial to your wives? It's very quiet. <laughs> Couples are not looking at each other. Just staring straight ahead. That wasn't my experience this week. <laughs> Children fully obedient to their parents. Uh, they just left the room, so. <laughs> Fathers not exasperating your children. Employees. Fully submissive to your employer, working with all of your heart as unto the Lord. Employers, giving everybody a raise. I guess we have some work to do. In fact, um, this text in Galatians 5 this morning has much to do to explain why many Christians don't behave as Christians and why many of our children have walked away from the faith. In Galatians chapter 5, there's two contrasting descriptions of people's lifestyles. 
I want to read, I'm going to read the text, but I want to read, first of all, just these contrasting characteristics. And you decide which category you most fit in. And if that's too painful, which category does your spouse fit in? The acts, Galatians 5 verse 19, the acts or works of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. So far we're like, oh, no, we're okay, we're good. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Or love, verse 22, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by the way, neither of these two lists are holistic in the sense that, well, I don't do all of them. How about some of them? How about one of them? The text reads this way, starting at verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That is an immensely important verse. Right there, we are told how this works. Live by the Spirit. This is the connection with filling of the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. See the war going on there? They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. No, we want, we want to please the Lord. We want to know what it is to experience the fullness of God. There's anybody, I think, who would have left here last week saying, ah, that's not for me. I'm not interested in the fullness of the Spirit. I don't think there's anyone in here as we read uh, verse 22 and 23 who says, I want no part of the fruit of the Spirit. No, we, we want this. We know this is, this is to our benefit. We know this is not only to our benefit, but the benefit of everybody around us. We know that, what, that this is what it means to be a follower of Christ, but we don't do what we want to do because there's this battle. But again, he says, now, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. I've just read for you verses 19 to 21. I read verses 22 to 23, so let's drop down again to verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. What is that? Well, we'll look at that. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Three different things we've heard. Live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So... As you think about yourself, our church, Christianity in general, which category do we find ourselves more likely to be in? And how distressing is that? Our mission here at Calvary is taken from Colossians 128 to present the positionally perfect, practically perfected in Christ. So wait a second, I've never read that anywhere in anything here at Calvary. No, that's the text. We've put it in the vernacular to enable everyone to become fully devoted disciples of Christ. But the real theology of our mission here is to present the positionally perfect, practically perfected 
in Christ. In other words, when you came to know Christ, you were declared justified, righteous in Christ. Therefore, positionally before God, perfect. So take a sigh of relief. Right now, relax. Bask in that. That's a glorious truth. Every time God looks at you, if you know Jesus, he sees you perfect in Christ. So stop trying to perform. You don't need to perform for God. You don't need to try to be good. He sees you as perfect in Christ. Say, well, then what's all this talk about being filled with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and all that? If I've got that settled, what, what, what do I need? Well, that would be fine, except he says to us throughout all of his Bible, positionally you are perfect. Because it's all of grace. You couldn't earn this anyway. You, there's nothing you can do to become perfect. I had to declare you perfect. But now I want you To be practically perfect. Be holy as I am holy. I'm expecting you to live up to your position. And in order to make that happen, by grace, I am going to send my Holy Spirit into your life to superintend that work in your life. And that's of grace too. You can't make yourself one tiny bit better in your own strength. It is entirely as you rely on the strength of God in your life that you will become more and more like Christ. And the degree to which we aren't becoming like Christ is the degree to which we are trying in our own strength to live the Christian life. I have prayed so much this week that we will comprehend this truth. This is so liberating. This changes everything. This is game-changing stuff. The filling of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is game-changing life stuff. It really is. And we're, we're, um, we're going to need to keep moving forward because I haven't been moving very quickly. The war for your Christ-like character is waged between your flesh and the Spirit of God. But you are empowered to do better. So the big problem here is no matter how hard you try or how many religious rules you keep, you cannot become like Christ. Here's the problem with the Galatians, the Galatian church. The Galatian church is fundamentally like every church. But it won't sound like it when I start reading you some verses. Listen to the Galatian church. In verse 15, just before our text, verse 16, it says there, if you keep... Paul's writing to this church now. He says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Wait a minute. I thought these people were Christians. This doesn't shock any of you, does it? If you've lived any time at all or served any time at all in the Christian community, someone has bit you who claims to be a Christian. And perhaps there's even been people who claim to be Christians who've devoured you. They've so discouraged you. They've they've just sent you away. Shoulders sagging, arms lagging. All you need is the Charlie Brown song. Dee, 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 dee. Dee, 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 dee. And you walk out of the church. Then he writes, in, before, in three, 1 and 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And the answer is, guilty. Most of us fail in this area because we trusted in God for our salvation, but now we are trying to rely on ourselves for sanctification. We are trying in our own strength to defeat sin. We just try and 
grit our teeth. Or better yet, and I, I basically grew up in this system, and, and many of you did as well, we were just told, this is what Christians do, and this is what Christians don't do. Some of it was Bible, most of it wasn't. Um, the big question that we're facing here is the Spirit of God a sufficient guide for Christian living? <laughs> and in the circles that I grew up in, it was probably not. No, he's not sufficient. Here's how you have to live. Uh, Baptist morality is what I grew up with. Mostly no. No drinking. No sex before marriage. No dancing. No cards. That is if they had clubs and spades and diamonds and hearts. In fact, I'm going to hell now because I even know that. You could play pit, which was cards as far as I was concerned. I didn't understand the difference. No pool halls, no sports or TV on Sundays, no swimming on Sundays, no everyday clothes on Sundays. That's why I have trouble not wearing a jacket up here on the platform. It's this old hangover of you got to get dressed up or you couldn't possibly be a spirit-filled Christian. I remember the pastor of our church. Oh, he couldn't go to movies either. <laughs> I remember the people in our church always talking to each other. I can't wait till it comes out on TV. <laughs> I remember being so discombobulated as a kid growing up in the church. To this day, I, I'm frustrated with that. And, and quite honestly... I'm going to tell my mother not to listen to this sermon, by the way. <laughs> Quite honestly, it, it shaped me in the sense that if you can't do something somewhere, you shouldn't be able to do something somewhere else either. If it's wrong for God in this place, it's wrong for God in that place. It's the inconsistency drove me crazy. <laughs> I remember um, I was a deacon in the church by this time, and... and uh, Remember the days when uh, theaters were downtown? They, were, they weren't like out in the suburbs. They were right downtown. Because so, when they're in the suburbs, you know, the only people who are at the theater are people going to the theater. So if two Christians meet with each other and they're at the theater, it's like, hey, you can't say much to anybody and we can't tell anybody. But when you're downtown, people might be shopping and they might see you lined up at the Odeon. I can remember as a deacon being downtown and, and I was walking up, and there's a big line outside of the theater. And there's this very, fairly tall guy hunched over with a hoodie on before hoodies were in. And, and it looked, he, he had kind of a familiar look to me. It's just his gait and everything. And it's a, I walked up, and it was, it was like our senior pastor. <laughs> he was in the lineup to go to the theater. And he says to me, oh, brother. He, he, I said, what are you doing? He says, oh, oh, brother. And he's got this hood over his head. He says, yeah, he says, I don't want anybody to see me going to the theater, but I di I'm dying to see this movie. <laughs> he risked hell <laughs> to see a movie. So um, with the moments that I have, I want to look quickly with you at what is the fruit of the Spirit and how do I get it? Because, because you can't get it by the flesh. You can't get it by copying the Christian culture. You can't, you, you know, and, and Baptist morality changed from church to church. It just depended what church you went to. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't change from church to church. It is what it is. Walking in the Spirit doesn't change from church to church. It, it is the same from church to church. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't change from church to church or denomination to denomination. It is what it is. And we've failed miserably to apprehend it. So how do you get the fruit of the Spirit? There's a command here. Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. 
This sinful nature within inside of you wants to sin. And if you try to live by a set of artificial religious rules, you will fail miserably. In fact, rules tend to drive us to sin. Just because our sinful nature is so alive that it wants to break all the rules. I broke every single Baptist rule. Well, with a few exceptions. The really gross ones. I didn't. No TV on Sundays? Are you kidding me? When my dad and mom went to bed for a sleep in the afternoon, every Sunday afternoon... I broke that rule every single Sunday. I wasn't going to miss the hockey game on Sunday afternoon. Problem is, those old TVs had noisy switches when you turned them on. Remember those things? Like it was like... (laughs) Resonated all over the house. So I I had a routine. When I turned on the TV, I coughed really loud. Because our sinful nature can find a way to break the rules. And then I had to guess when my dad was waking up. You know, I'd hear some rustling in the bedroom or whatever. I'd be like, I got to get this thing turned off. So I'd be like, (coughs) problem is, you had to time it really well. Because remember those old TVs? They went to a dot. And they stepped that stinking dot stayed on for a long time, which meant the TV was on. You had to have, that dot had to disappear. So you had to time this thing really well or create a distraction in some other room. Dad, how you doing? Come here. I got to show you something. Keep him out of the living room at all costs because if he goes in there, sees that dot, he knows the TV's been on. We know how to break the rules. If, if, if the Spirit of God isn't changing and shaping our character, we'll break every single rule because that's who we are. That's what the Galatians were doing. They were, they were trying to live by the law when they had come to know Christ. Paul's like, who bewitched you? You came to know Christ by his grace. You will grow by his grace, not by keeping the rules, the rules you never could keep. So you live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, he talks here about about three things, three kind of synonyms about what it means to to have this kind of relationship with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. What is he talking about? The word live by the Spirit is to walk. It's to to make progress. It's a present word. Keep walking. Keep living by the Spirit. Keep progressing. Keep moving forward as you get to know God more, keep progressing forward, not on what you shouldn't do, but what you should do. Keep moving forward in the Lord, progressing. Walk in Him. Paul writes, that I may know Christ. You can't get to where you should be if you don't know where you're going or you don't know where you're supposed to be going. You need to get to know the Lord, walking in the Spirit, that I may know Christ, that I might saturate myself with Christ. The knowledge of God's ways. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more you will take on His shape, the more you will be like Him. We ha- who, who we hang out with, we become like. I'm always amazed at people who can hang on to their accent from another place. I can hardly hang on to my accent for the summer holidays. If I go down to the south of the States, like I'm pretty soon I'm like ordering stuff like Americans. They're just drawn to that drawl, that's, that, that way. How y'all doing? You want to get me some of that there barbecue? course they know who I am you're from the north aren't you trying to imitate us but that's what it is with with Christianity we are we get to know Christ we become more like him that's what walking in the spirit is like then it says be led by the spirit he changes it and it says led by the spirit okay so we're walking getting to know him progressing moving forward trusting in him putting our lives in his hands now led 
By the way, the Holy Spirit is leading. The only reason that, that he's calling us by command to be led by the Spirit is because we're refusing to follow him. I don't want to go where Jesus wants me to go. I don't want to think the way Jesus wants me to think. I don't want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I don't want to be nice to my employer this week. Oh? Well, how do you expect then to be filled with the Spirit? If you are unwilling to be led by the Spirit, if you are unwilling to follow Him, if you are unwilling to do what God says. And then He says to be in step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. That means I can't be lagging behind Him. This is not a filled in the spirit posture. Okay, if you make me. And that's not it. Not lagging behind him and not running ahead of him. Look, I got this, Lord. I, I can handle this. This is, a, this is small potatoes. This temptation, this, this thing, this sin, please, I got this. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. In step, 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 step with the spirit. Trusting in him for everything. Relying on him for everything. Every thought. Every decision. Every attitude. Lord, what do you want? This? It's, it's a constant contact with Christ. Constantly. All the time. It's, it's when we, for a moment, turn away from the Lord. Turn our back. Not, not consciously. Subconsciously. We, we turn from him. We don't think we need him. We got this. That we fail miserably and we fall into that category of the works of the sinful nature. Jealousy and ambition and rage and selfish ambition. That doesn't come from God. That comes from you. You're not living by the Spirit. You're not being led by the Spirit. You're not walking in step with the Spirit when these things are happening. You're not. Don't get impatient and take matters into your own hands. God is in control. Relax. Rest in Him, His timing. Don't run ahead of Him. Try to fix it yourself. Try to do it yourself. Lord, I can do this. No, you can't. If you could have, you wouldn't have needed Jesus in the first place. You can't. You can't fix this. There's this conflict that goes on, he says here. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. What's that all about? Well, it's the battle of the redeemed self waging war against the living unredeemed humanness or ego or it's wounded and it's dying but it's not dead it's still flailing away in your life you have been redeemed your soul has been rescued but your body is still at war against you your natural is still at war against that and you will fight this war for the rest of your life and if you let up on it for a second, it will swallow you, and it will swallow people around you. You have to be hypervigilant. That's why it says in verse 24, those who belong to, Jesus, to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Do you realize that, that when Jesus went to the cross, he took that sinful nature, that, that unredeemed ego... He took that and he nailed it to the cross. And it is wounded and dying, but it keeps flailing. And you have to keep, you have to keep um, pressing yourself and reminding yourself and keeping that thing on the cross. Lord, you took my hatred and you took it to the cross you took my bitterness and you nailed it to the cross you took my unforgiveness and you nailed that to the cross you took my selfish ambitions and you nailed those to the cross how do you make that happen how do you tr entrust yourself to the lord's power to make that real in your life because that's the war that's going on Paul writes in another place that we are called to kill our sinful desires 
so that we remove the remaining power that wrong desires have over us. How do we do that? He writes in Romans 13, 14, make no provision for the flesh. Each one of us have battles that we know we are fighting. It's putting into practice what Christ has made happen at the cross. The power of flesh has been broken. Now put it out of its misery. And how do we do that? We entrust ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God to keep us away from temptations that are going to lead us into sin. But we must cooperate with them. We can fight against those things. We can fight against it by going where we know we shouldn't go, by opening up what we know we shouldn't open up, by looking at what we know we shouldn't look at, by tasting what we know we should not taste. This kind of living requires an urgency before the Spirit of God to say, Oh Lord, you have nailed all of those sinful desires to the cross. Now empower me. Lead me. Let me follow you away from temptation. Oh Lord, what is the Lord's prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you mean that when you pray it? You can circumvent it yourself in the flesh. Or you can cooperate with what God will do in a powerful way in your life and ultimately starve and finally kill the sinful desire that has been strangling you and ruining all the relationships around you. This is not just about you. If you read that list of works of the flesh, they are damaging works to people around you. If you read the list of fruit of the Spirit, it is empowering work to the people around you. Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? We're going to spend a lot of time on this tonight in our study, discipleship. You can look at it more yourself, but I'm going to go down a quick list with you. What is the fruit of the Spirit? This fundamentally is the attitudinal evidence. The attitudinal evidence that God is powerfully at work in your life and you are being filled with the Spirit. There's nine characteristics. They are singular. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. And that sometimes get, causes us some, some concern because you look at it and say, I haven't got all of this going on in my life. It's one fruit. It, it's, 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 it's singular because it's collective. It's, it's the collective description, and it's not exhaustive even, but the collective description of the character and nature of Jesus. If we really know Jesus, or if he were to walk in here in the flesh, that's how he would behave. And so it's a collective idea that the, the entirety of the attitude of Christ is wrapped up here. But you and I may be struggling in various areas of these attitudes. Don't get discouraged. Say, look, I haven't got all nine of these things going on, but God is really working me over in some of these. And, and some of these I'm seeing real progress in my life. That's fantastic. Don't beat yourself up because you're not at the... I haven't got all nine going all, all at the same time. No, this is a battle. But this is the idea of what this looks like. So there's, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love. What is, it, what is this love? Meeting the needs of another at personal inconvenience and discomfort. That's the attitude of your life. It's what God is like. We've been invaded by love. This kind of love, unless we fight it off. Say, no, I don't want to love you like that. I don't want to love my brothers and sisters like that. I don't want to love my wife like that. I don't want to love my husband like that. You have to fight that off. And you will if you are trying to live in the flesh. Because the flesh doesn't want to love like that. Joy, a lifted heart based on hope and not circumstances because of the presence of God. Romans 14, 17. In the presence of God is joy. 
The reason that joy shows up to those who are filled with the Spirit is because they are so in the presence of God. Peace, a deep attitude of well-being because it is well between us and God. This is the peace you have in your soul knowing it is well with my soul. Peace with God leads to the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7. Patience, not easily offended by annoying people. The church is full of annoying people. Anybody who's not just like you is annoying, right? Or easily frustrated when waiting on the Lord. This all comes from being filled with God. And think about it, it's all about trust. And, and, and faith in God and, and being so close to him and so knowing him that I can, be, I can be patient because I know who's in charge of my life. And if this moment is not exactly where I want it to be, I can trust him, not get all frazzled about it. Kindness means you don't chafe or blister people, not hard or crusty or prickly. That's what Christ was meaning when he, in Matthew eleven thirty, 30, he used this same kind of word, take my yoke upon you, it's easy and light, it doesn't blister you, it won't chafe you. It's, it's described as the, it's, it's like, being with you is like, is like laying on memory foam. Is that, would that describe you? Look at your spouse. No, don't. Are you memory foam? Goodness, using strength and discipline to help people because it's the right thing to do. The right thing might not always be the soft thing, but it's for goodness' sake. Jesus cleared the temple because of his goodness, because people were ripping people off. Faithfulness, the unshakable trust in God required, especially of those entrusted with promoting truth. Unshakable trust in God's word. You realize God is never shaken? God is completely confident in himself. So if I'm hanging out with God, who is completely confident in himself, I'm with the one, I'm, I'm being led by the one, I'm walking with the one who is fully confident in the circumstances and situation of this world, I get to walk with him. Gentleness, strength under control. Submissive, yielded, teachable, never angry at the wrong time. Self-control, master over desires and passions. Impulse control, cool, calm, unflappable. Displaying the inner world of a God-controlled life. You don't, you can't make this stuff up. You can't invent this stuff in your own life. You can't get this stuff by your own flesh, by your own willpower, by determination, by keeping certain religious cultural rules. This stuff doesn't come that way. I, there wasn't a, a, a Baptist morality rule that existed that helped me to gain the attitude of even one of these nine things. Not one. This can only come from a life immersed in God, beloved. But it comes with that life. Let's wrap this up. I just want to remind you that the, we're talking about dependency on God versus independency. We're talking about relying on God's strength, not relying on my own strength. Because I am powerless to change me, and rules are powerless to change me. The only one who can change me and you is God, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. He alone has the power to change your nature and my nature. We can't do it. Doesn't matter whether I wear a suit or jeans. It really doesn't. It matters whether I am fully immersed in the living God.
that changes everything. And beloved, from what I have encountered over all of these years in Christianity, this is the most underutilized benefit we have in our salvation. We are all about the gifts of the Spirit and very little about the filling of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are important for building up the church. But the filling of the Spirit is absolutely necessary for you and I to personally grow. That we might be any benefit to the church at all. So I urge you to spend lots of time here. Drink deeply of this doctrine. Understand it. Live it. Meditate upon it. Ask God to help you. You know, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he was talking to them about ask, seek, knock. And then he said, you know, if a father, if, if a child asks a father for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? Or if he asked for a fish, would he give him a snake? And then we're expecting Jesus to go in a whole different direction. And then here's what he says. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. This is where the rubber hits the road of our salvation, beloved, of our sanctification, of our growing in Christ. Ask God for this. He wants you to have it. Ask Him for the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then cooperate with what God will do to empower change in your life. Our Father, I pray this morning and thank you so much for your incredible gift of the Holy Spirit to us. The power to change is resident in every believer. Now, will we keep relying on the strength of our flesh or will we moment by moment, walk, be led in step with the Spirit of God and then experience the growing fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, popping out all over. We won't be able to contain the Jesusness of our life. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And that is the only way not to be shaken. Only in our trust in God can we walk in this life unshakable and unshaken. How important is this stuff? This is not nice to have. This is not a benefit from the Lord that would be great, but I can bypass it and get by. There are two dispositions that are described in this Galatians text. There's the works of the flesh that manifest themselves in, I'm sure, all of us far too often. I don't want to unsettle your security in Christ, but I want to say what the text says. The text says that people who live like this who practice this, who live all the time in the works of the flesh. And I'm not talking about the whole thing. I'm he's talking about those things. Pick your thing. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty serious stuff. Say, well, that's just the way I am, you know. Envious. Jealous. Sure, I fly off the handle all the time, but that's just the way I am. I'm just reporting the text to you. Those who continue to live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The other disposition is the fruit of the Spirit. Those that display the fruit of the Spirit, he says, in the text, belong to Christ. So the evidence is there for us. Which disposition is the controlling factor of your life? If you know the Lord, you can have the fruit of the Spirit and settle for nothing less.
live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Oh Lord, help us to embrace this. Help us to experience this. We can't do this in our own strength. If legalistic sanctification could have made us like Christ, most of us in here today would be clones of Jesus. But rather trying to choose and cherry pick the things that we could do left our hearts in very, very desperate situation. The attitudes of our hearts, maybe the outside looked good, but the inside was not good. I pray, oh God, that you would form Christ in us from the inside out and then may Christ Jesus be reflected in everything about us, I pray. And may we settle for nothing less because Christ died that we might have this. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.